Section 9 of Robinson Crusoe in Words of One Syllable. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, visit LibriVox.org. Robinson Crusoe in Words of One Syllable by Mary Godolphin. Section 9. It would be a hard task for me to tell of all the quaint signs Friday made to show his joy. He went in and out of the boat five or six times, sat down by old Jaff, and held the poor old man's head close to his breast to warm it. Then he set to work to rub his arms and feet, which were cold and stiff from the bonds. I told Friday to give him some rum and bread, but he said, None! bad dog eat all up self. He then ran off straight to the house, and took no heed of my calls, but went as swift as a deer. In an hour's time he came back with a jug in his hand. The good soul had gone all the way to the house, that Jaff might have a fresh draught from my well, and with it he brought two cakes, one of which I bade him take to Carl, who lay in the shade of a tree. His limbs were stiff and cold, and he was too weak to say a word. I set my man to rub his feet with rum, and while he did so, I saw Friday turn his head round from time to time to steal a look at the old man. Then we brought Carl and Jaff home from the boat on our backs, as they could not walk. The door of my house was at the top, and the poor sick men could not climb the steps by which I got in, so we made for them a tent of old sails. I was now a king of these three men, as well as lord of the isle, and I felt proud to say they all owe their lives to their king, and would lay them down for him if he bade them do so. But I did not think that my reign was so soon to come to an end. The next thing for us to do was to give Carl and Jaff some food, and to kill and roast a kid to which we all four sat down, and I did my best to cheer them. Carl in a few days grew quite strong, and I set him to work to dig some land for seed, for it was clear we should want more corn now that we had two more mouths to fill. So we put in the ground all the stock of grain I had, and thus we all four had as much work as we could do for some time. When the crop grew, and was ripe, we found we had a good store of grain. We made a plan that Carl and Jaff should go back to the mainland, to try if they could get some of the white men who had been cast on shore there, to come and live with us. So they got out the boat, and took with them two guns and food for eight days. They were to come back in a week's time, and I bade them hang out a sign when they came in sight, so that we might know who they were. One day Friday ran up to me in great glee, and said, They are back! They are back! A mile from shore there was a boat with a sail, which stood in for the land. But I knew it could not be the one which our two friends had gone out in, for it was on the wrong side of the isle for that. I saw, too, through my glass, a ship out at sea. There were twelve men in the boat, three of whom were bound in chains, and four had firearms. By and by I saw one of the men raise his sword to those who were in chains, 
and I felt sure that all was not right. Then I saw that the three men who had been bound were set free, and when they came on shore they lay on the ground, in the shade of a tree. I was soon at their side, for their looks, so sad and worn, brought to my mind the first few hours I had spent in this wild spot, where all to me was wrapped in gloom. I went up to these men, and said, Who are you, sirs? They gave a start at my voice, and at my strange dress, and made a move as if they would fly from me. I said, Do not fear me, for it may be that you have a friend at hand, though you do not think it. He must be sent from the sky, then, said one of them with a grave look, and he took off his hat to me at the same time. All help is from thence, sir, I said, but what can I do to aid you? You look as if you had some load of grief on your breast. I saw one of the men lift his sword as if to kill you. The tears ran down the poor man's face, as he said, Is this a god, or is it but a man? Have no doubt on that score, sir, said I, for a god would not have come with a dress like this. No, do not fear, nor raise your hopes too high, for you see but a man, yet one who will do all he can to help you. Your speech shows me that you come from the same land as I do. I will do all I can to serve you. Tell me your case. Our case, sir, is too long to you, while they who would kill us are so near. My name is Paul. To be short, sir, my crew have thrust me out of my ship, which you see out there, and have left me here to die. It was as much as I could do to make them sheathe their swords, which you saw were drawn to slay me. They have set me down in this isle with these two men, my friend here, and the ship's mate. Where have they gone? said I. There, in the wood, close by. I fear they may have seen and heard us. If they have, they will be sure to kill us all. Have they firearms? They have four guns, one of which is in the boat. Well, then, leave all to me. There are two of the men, said he, who are worse than the rest. All but these I feel sure would go back to work the ship. I thought it was best to speak out to Paul at once, and I said, Now, if I save your life, there are two things which you must do. But he read my thoughts and said, If you save my life, you shall do as you like with me and my ship, and take her where you please. I saw that the two men, in whose charge the boat had been left, had come on shore. So the first thing I did was to send Friday to fetch from it the oars, the sail, and the gun. And now the ship might be said to be in our hands. When the time came for the men to go back to the ship, they were in a great rage, for as the boat had now no sail, nor oars, they knew not how to get out to their ship. We heard them say that it was a strange sort of isle, for that sprites had come to the boat to take off the sails and oars. We could see them run to and fro with great rage, then go and sit in the boat to rest, and then come on shore once more. When they drew near to us, 
Paul and Friday would fain have had me fall on them at once, but my wish was to spare them, and kill as few as I could. I told two of my men to creep on their hands and feet close to the ground, so that they might not be seen, and when they got up to the men, not to fire till I gave the word. They had not stood thus long, when three of the crew came up to us. Till now we had but heard their voice, but when they came so near as to be seen, Friday and Paul stood up and shot at them. Two of the men fell dead, and they were the worst of the crew, and the third ran off. At the sound of the guns I came up, but it was so dark that the men could not tell if there were three of us, or three score. It fell out just as I could wish, for I heard the men ask, To whom must we yield, and where are they? Friday told them that Paul was there with the king of the isle, who had brought with him a crowd of men. At this one of the crew said, If Paul will spare our lives, we will yield. Then, said Friday, you shall know the king's will. Then Paul said to them, You know my voice. If you lay down your arms, the king will spare your lives. They fell on their knees to beg the same of me. I took good care that they did not see me, but I gave them my word that they should all live, that I should take four of them to work the ship, and that the rest would be bound hand and foot for the good faith of the four. This was to show them what a stern king I was. Of course, I soon set them free, and I put them in a way to take my place on the isle. I told them of all my ways, taught them how to mind the goats, how to work the farm, and make the bread. I gave them a house to live in, firearms, tools, and my two tame cats. In fact, all but Powell and my gold. As I sat on the top of the hill, Paul came up to me. He held out his hand to point to the ship, and with much warmth took me in his arms and said, My dear friend, there is your ship, for she is all yours, and so are we, and all that is in her. I cast my eyes to the ship, which rode half a mile off the shore, at the mouth of the creek, and near the place where I had brought my rafts to the land. Yes, there she stood, the ship that was to set me free, and to take me where I might choose to go. She set her sails to the wind, and her flags threw out their gay stripes in the breeze. Such a sight was too much for me, and I fell down faint with joy. Paul then took out a flask which he had brought for me, and gave me a dram, which I drank. But for a good while I could not speak to him. Friday and Paul then went on board the ship, and Paul took charge of her once more. We did not start that night, but at noon, the next day, I left the isle. That lone isle, where I spent so great a part of my life, not much less than thrice ten long years. End of section 9, read by Dennis Sayers in Modesto, California, for LibriVox, Spring 2007.